Okay, so I went back and listened to episode the episode called Conscious in a Westworld sort of way that was that aired back in February 10th last month. Um and I was cracking myself up because I I said in the episode like okay I don't want anybody to leave their house anybody that I care about to leave their house on March 20th which is this Friday um and if you're listening to this I care about you and I don't know what's going to happen on March 20th but everybody just needs to stay at home so that was February 10th and now I realize that, <laughs> you know what they say, careful what you wish for. I'm talking to the universe and I was like, okay, I didn't mean like I didn't want anybody to be able to not leave their house um, on March 20th. Like I, I didn't mean I didn't want the entire world not to leave their house on March 20th. So it seems like we're all, it's looking like we're all going to be at home on that day. Um, so... Yay! <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't know. Anyway, um, as usual, to my regular listen listeners, thank you for tuning in. I know the times are crazy, and to new listeners, welcome. Um, I would recommend that you don't just listen to this episode and then wait for new episodes. Like if you're a new listener, check out my previous episodes. Um, they're all very interesting and all very entertaining. Um, if I do say so myself. Um. I'm patting myself on the back right now as I'm speaking to you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I there there is, you know, there is valuable information, like well thought out, well researched. I read a lot and so I try to share, you know, insights from what I what I you know, what I've learned from reading and everything like that to through my podcast. And so I, I strongly recommend that you check it out. Um if you guys are all feeling like you have somehow wandered into the twilight zone and or uh Everything feels like hyper surreal right now and not real. Um, I would like to say uh, welcome. Welcome to the club. Uh, you are not alone. And uh, we have cookies. Um, we don't have any napkins to go with those cookies uh, because we've had to repurpose those napkins um, due to the shortage of toilet paper. Anyway, um, I have been feeling like this world is surreal or not quite what we have thought or not quite what we thought it was at least like it's I, I've been feeling like this reality has been different than the reality that I grew up in um my childhood um and it started probably back around like 2008 2010 um was when I think I just I'd moved to California and I I remember thinking like man the sun is like fucking brighter out here or hotter out here the sun when I got out so I flew from Illinois um to California and it just seemed like the sun was like more intense and then like a couple days later I like really stopped and looked and I'm like yo is the sun white now when has the sun ever been white you know and I I kept thinking maybe it's just a California thing but then of course since then I've traveled around and every time I travel I look up and the sun is blurringly white now now if you ask anybody and I try this I asked my uh 80 year old uh mother-in-law I said hey what color is the sun don't look and she was like uh yellow and she's looking at me like it's stupid like I'm stupid right and I'm like all right well look up and she looks up and it's like she's seen the sun for the first time it's blurringly white 
like bright white and she's like oh that's new I'm like yeah right and she's like what do you think that means and I'm like "I I think that we've died um a few times and every time we die we just shift to a parallel uh dimension and somehow we got you know transferred to this reality where the the sun is white now and she looked at me and I'm sure in her mind I I, I would actually I'm not sure I don't know what she was thinking I don't know what she's thinking huh that's a first or she's thinking huh uh joe's fucking crazy <laughs> either way I mean, it doesn't move me i i i i know people think that i'm crazy so that's not gonna stop me from from just being myself and saying what i've observed and saying what i think because i know that if i'm coming to these same conclusions or observations making these same observations i'm not the only one i can't be the only one out of seven billion people billion fucking people to make these same observations. So that's when I realized that things were different than the world that I grew up in, the reality that I grew up in. And then that was what threw me into my journey of studying quantum physics. And then that turned into studying Buddhism and Hinduism and um, Gnosticism and philosophy. And then that turned into this podcast. So a lot of stuff that I talk about on this podcast started from that journey back in um, let's say, let's just say 2010, when I looked up and noticed that the sun was no longer yellow. Um, so yeah, shit's weird, right? Um, but I would argue that shit has been weird for a really long time and more and more of us are just kind of waking up to that. Um, I have this pet theory and I'm not the only person who has come up with this theory. I've actually thought about it and then later on found out that other people have kind of uh, come to the same conclusions or theory as well that, um, you know, every time you have a near-death experience, you don't actually have a near-death experience. You actually die and then your consciousness gets transferred to like a parallel universe where you escape what um, what nearly killed you. And if that's the case, then, or what killed you, I should say, in the previous reality. And if that's the case, then there's really no reason to fear death because um, technically or theoretically, you've died um, probably a thousand times already. And then you just reset to a new, uh, quantum reality. I delve into that, into this topic, into this idea more deeply in the 15 episode, I, I, I guess you could call it anthology. Um, it's another pod- podcast that I have right now. It's on all the platforms. Um, it's called the dark Oracle's guide to the multiverse. So if you guys want to run and check that out, um, I don't think I'm going to be putting out any new episodes. It ends with uh, episode 15, which is Wake Up Neo. Um, but you can kind of pick and choose just looking at the titles and stuff like that to see like what you find interesting. But in that podcast, I really do delve into more uh, quantum physics. And I use that to explain the nature of reality. And it's a lot more um, in-depth analysis of life and philosophy and everything like that. Um, and I recommend you guys check it out. Um, but yeah, so everything is, is getting weird. Um, more and more people are starting to look up and say, wow, things don't seem normal. You know, like you're, we're, we have a virus that um, some people are, are saying that if you study it, there are markers there that indicate that it was like actually man-made or, uh, or man-engineered. I don't know if I believe it or I don't believe it, but that's the information that's out there. Um, some people are saying that, you know, why would you, like, I, I think, like, was it last month? They brought a bunch of people 
into California with the virus, but they flew them into a military base and then prematurely released them into the general public. Um, and some people were saying, well, that's kind of fucking suspicious. Like, why would you do that? Um, why are they calling it the new coronavirus when we've always had coronavirus? I actually saw somebody took a picture of a back of a, I think it's called Detol or Detol, D-E-T-T-O-L, um, bottle. And in the back, it actually says that it protects and it disinfects against, um, the coronavirus. It says it right there on the label, which clearly was printed a long time ago. Um, so a coronavirus, I think, appears to be a class of viruses like influenza. Um, and maybe this is just a new strain of that. But when they say it's a new coronavirus, they're not really telling people that it could just be a new strain of that. And so people are thinking that this is like the first time something like this has ever happened. And and it's just feeding the the panic even more, which I would argue that that's clearly um, what they want. So um, San Francisco has been quarantined. Um, They're saying up in in Jersey, New Jersey, the National Guard has actually showed up there um, to enforce uh, lockdowns. Um, So things are getting strange. Uh, You know, I I, I was told by one of my friends that the because of one passenger, the the country of Jordan has been, you know, shut down. We see what's happened in Italy, you know, flights are being banned. And, and, I, and I still genu- genuinely think that what's going to happen is, you know, we're going to be locked down for the next two, three weeks. And then the news is going to magically come up with the solution, right? It's problem, reaction, solution. So they create the problem, they watch people react, and then they come up with the solution and everybody's grateful and everybody believes in the power of the system and, and uh, the almighty uh, government, our protector and provider. Um, and this is going to, this is going to keep happening. This is going to become the norm, sadly. Um, but anyway, I've touched about that um, on previous episodes. Check them out. I'm going to move past that. Um, to those of you who are new, um, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, um, it's about whatever the fuck I want it to be about (laughs) at any given point in time. Um, right now I seem to be morbidly fascinated with the idea of death. If it makes you uncomfortable, I think that you should keep listening because things that make you uncomfortable and make you kind of want to turn away from it are things that you really should face head on. Um, and deal with it so that um, you can overcome it. You should face what that fear is and feel the fear and do it anyway. So that's why I like talking about death because most people, when you say death, they freak out. Um, which is very interesting because I was talking to my mom and she's like, you know, she's worried about me and she's worried about, you know, where we are because we're in California. And she's just like, you know, don't go out, don't do this, wash your hands, yada, yada. But then on the opposite end, she was just like, you know, like, if we're all going to die, I just hope all of us just die together. And that made me chuckle. And I started thinking, maybe we're not afraid to die. Maybe it's just we don't want to lose people we care about. I think there's a part of all of us, like the human race, that feels like, well, maybe not not everybody thinks this way, I'm sure. But maybe there's a lot of people who, it's not that they, you know, they're afraid to die. You know, maybe there are a lot of people who just don't want to lose loved ones or leave loved ones behind to suffer. Um, and, and I kind of touched on this on previous episodes where I'm like, ah, well, I mean, if, if, if something's going to happen to me, I'd rather just be 
like not just me like let's everybody <laughs> let's all just go out at once and I'd rather be in the epicenter of everything and then you know kind of move on to whatever is next um but that was an interesting conversation I had with my mom and it just kind of made me think um but before I had the conversation with her today yesterday I actually wrote this episode and um it was inspired by a quote that I came across while reading the complete works of Swami Vivekananda, Volume 2. Now, if you've never heard of his work before, um, you're going to want to check him out. I mean, you've got plenty of time now. <laughs> um, he, his work is, is deep. It's paradigm-shifting stuff. Um, and it's just as relevant today as it was like 100 years ago when this, his collection of work was first transcribed. Um, but in the book, he says, this is the quote, to stop death, you will have to stop life also. To stop death, you will have to stop life also. So right now you turn on, turn on the news. Well, not right now, but in the past, whenever you turn on the news, you, every once in a while you see like a bleep on the news or blip on the news about like this scientist coming up with this thing that could extend life or whatever. And, and it seems like we're all working towards um, getting to a place where disease is no longer a thing and we all, you know, you can prolong life and maybe eventually never even die. Um, if you ask most people if they would like to live forever, you know, I think if you, if you like come up to them and you said, look, I'm a scientist, I've come up with this like pill. And if you take this pill, um, it's going to make you forever youthful, healthy, and immortal. Um, I think many people would just grab that pill and throw it in the mouth before they even like before you even have an opportunity to change your mind. Like they're just going to reactionary put it in the mouth, understandably, right? Right? I mean, who in their right minds wants to age, wants to get sick, wants to suffer, die, and actually see the same thing happen to people that they care about? Right? We're all there. I mean, that that's you know I mentioned about how. That's what that's what that fear of death is what's driving this panic, right? If you're if you're conditioned to fear death, right, then you're you're easily controlled by that fear, right? Um, and like I said, this is what this podcast is all about. It's like can we take these things, these uncomfortable conversations about, you know, things that we unconsciously react to or shy away from, can we take it and talk about it? Air it out, face it. Right? So you've got this pill. It can make you live forever. You're thinking, well, what's the con? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. Nothing in this world comes without a cost. In the book, The Practicing Stoic, author Ward Farnsworth. I always have a... I, author. His name is not author. He's an author. I'm, I'm pronouncing... I pronounce words weird. Author. He's an author. And his name is Ward, W-A-R-D, Farnsworth. Anyway, if you type in the practicing Stoic, you'll find it on wherever you get books. Um, anyway, he cites an ancient Greek verse which states that, here's the quote, the gods sell us every good they give us. The gods sell us every good thing, every good they give us. That is to say, they give us nothing pure and perfect, nothing we do not buy at the cost of some evil. Or, to put it succinctly, Everything costs. To win, others must lose. To eat, something must die. Right? And side note, plants feel pain, vegans. Just FYI. Um, (laughs) And to succeed, others must fail. So, 
to have the cheap mass-produced goods that afford all of us a certain quality of life here in the United States, in the, quote, first world, beings, people in other countries have to suffer the inequity of poor working conditions and low standards of living. That's the cost, right? Now, some have blamed this inequality on capitalism, but no, that's these are the laws of nature and the duality of, of the reality in which we presently, presently rather, live in. Everything costs. The gods sell us every good. They sell us every good they give us at the cost of some evil. It's a law of duality. Right? For every action, I guess you could say too, you could look at it that way. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I think that would apply here. The gods sell us every good they give us at the cost of some evil. So in another book, the the Kybalion or Kybalion, um, K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N, Kybalion. Um, it's another good book. Uh, it states something to the effect that reality operates as a wave and the key is to ride above it instead of allowing the momentum, the momentum of duality, the force of it, to pull you this way and that. Um, and what he means by that is a, like a wave is that in, in life, right, things go up and then go down. You go up and then you go down. If you notice, for example, if you are like in a relationship, there, you're going to go through periods of time when you're like, you're going to laugh a lot. And then all of a sudden, like two, three days later, well, you know, you like get into a random fight with your spouse and you don't know why you just sucked in. Um, and then after that, you go back up again and then you go down again. So he's in that book, it's basically describing that behavior. That's a wave. And he's saying that that's a force. It's something that it permeates this reality. And the key is to not get sucked in. The key is to maintain more or less a state of neutral neutrality, um, and not engage in the dual forces. Right. So I guess the way I took it to mean is like, it's never, never allow yourself to move in any extreme. Right. Because if you go extreme in one direction, if you allow yourself to get too, 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 too excited or too much pleasure, then what's going to happen is in order to balance it, you're going to feel the opposite. So you, you got to you got to stay um, balanced. You got to stay in the, in the middle of it and, and not react you know, one way or another. Um, ride the waves, get above it more or less. That book in itself, honestly, I need to dedicate a whole entire episode to that, to the Cavalian, um, because that in itself is a very fascinating read. Um, there's lots of truths packed in that. And it's a very small book. Um, I would recommend that too. You've got plenty of time to read, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Anyway, everything costs. Carbs taste great. All right. But too much of it. And you'll be paying for that with weight gain, right? Diabetes and other fun diseases and, you know, low self-esteem and all the stuff that comes with overconsumption of carbs and weight gain. Same with sugars and sweets delicious but you have too much of that you're going to pay for that with cavities weight gain heart disease cancer diabetes sex feels great right but you have the downside of that right emotional heartbreak you know the chance of having babies um, stds all the stress that comes with being emotionally connected and tied to a person falling in love or even not or being rejected right like everything costs right alcohol hangover weed paranoia nausea Opioids, addiction, 
everything costs. I'm not trying to bum you out here. Like, I'm just trying to make you conscious of this fact, of the fact that everything costs. Everything costs. Fame. A lot of people aspire towards fame for the same reason, right? But they fail to consider its costs, right? The lack of privacy that comes with that, uncertainty over who your true friends are, extremely limited social circles, constantly needing a bodyguard, criticism from random weirdos on the internet, <laughs> right? That, that's what comes with fame. Um, and a lot of people don't consider that when they say, I just want to be famous. Well, everything costs. And so that's why you see people who, you know, they, they, they get everything, right? They reach the pinnacle of the career. Everybody knows who they are. And then they, they walk away from it or they, you know, physically, you know, spiritually or whatever, they, they leave earth, you know, they commit suicide, whatever, because it was almost like it's too much. Everything costs, you know, winning the lottery. There's a cost to that. Living in the first world country, there's a cost to that. Even sitting in the woods somewhere with your mind calm, feeling serene, meditating and just being one with the universe, that's going to come with, that's a cost. It comes a cost with that. And the cost of that is you're going to have to walk away from loved ones to do that. So you take time away from people you care about, detach from that, right? In order to spend time with yourself. And if you continue down that path of trying to become more conscious, you might find yourself even it might end up costing you long-term friendships and long-term relationships everything costs in this reality everything costs so you want to so you so you want to live forever I'm bringing you back to that magical pill i have this pill and i can give you this pill and it's going to make you live forever okay fine but before you take it ask yourself what price are you willing to pay for that you don't have to pay me money and i don't want it I'll give you this pill for free. But what I'm saying is before you take that pill, what do you think reality is going to take from you or the gods, quote unquote, are going to demand from you? This is a good that you want, right? The pill is a good, right? Eternal life. It's, potent, it's, it's seen as it's, 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 we think it's a good. What's the cost? All right, so this is a, uh, a thought. This is a thought experiment. So let's start with, the individual, right? Say you stumble across, you know, a genie's lamp and the the, lamp, the genie pops out and it does a little spiel and then it says, you know, you get, you, get, you get one wish, right? No, three wishes. You get three wishes. Okay, and your first wish is I want to live forever. Boom. Granted, okay? So now, what comes with that? Well, you only wished for yourself to live forever, so what's the cost of that? Well, the cost is you get to watch everyone you love die forever. That's just one of the costs, right? If you're the only person that's going to get to live forever, well, you're going to have to see everybody else die, right? And then eternal youth coupled with seeing others continuously succumb to the ravages of time and of age would eventually also cost you something else, something in your psyche, right? Some, something in your approach to relationships, something in the way you interact with other people. It might cost you maybe empathy, maybe humility, maybe kindness, maybe compassion, right? You Boom, I grant you that wish. You get to live forever. But 
after 100 years of seeing everybody you care about and try to get close to, what does that do to you? What does that do to your psyche? If, every, if after 100 years or 200 years or 400 years or 500 years, every single person that you be, befriended and came close to died, you are going to start viewing human beings as something different than the way you view people now. So you are going to lose the very essence of who you are, especially if you're right now an empathic person or a humble person or a kind person or a compassionate person. You might find yourself doing things to people, harming them in some way, just out of sheer boredom because you maybe feel like, okay, I'm a god because you feel like, well, nothing can happen to you because you feel like we've well, just seen so many people that you've loved just wither away. You start to see the frailty of the human race and it changes your psyche. That's the cost. So now you're thinking, okay, 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 okay. I got this. I got this. All right. My second wish is I don't want just me to be the only one immortal. I want all of my friends and all my family members to live forever too. And I'm like, just them? And you're like, yep, just them. And I'm like, okay, great. I snap my finger. But once again, what's the cost? Well, an eternity <laughs> with those that you're close to right now. Sounds great, right? It sounds great. Okay, my mom, my dad, my brother, my, my sister, my uncles, my aunts, you know, all my best friends from college, all my friends from high school, you know, all the people that I party with and kick, with, kick it with or whatever, they get to live forever. Okay. Awesome. Um, except... <laughs> What would eternal life, what would agelessness do to those people? Right? Think about the first wish. How did that change you? Right? Now apply that to across the board to all these people. How do you think that eternal life would make them different from the people that they are now? That's going to be the cost. You know, they might go through periods where all of a sudden now... They're looking at other people the way you looked at people in, you know, in the first wish where there's a lack of empathy. Now you see them as frail uh, beings or things of that nature. And then your spouse, spouse that you wanted to live forever with you. Well, they have free will, more or less. Um, and they can decide, you know what? Hey, I don't want to be committed to one person uh, for fucking ever. I mean, it's one thing to say till death do us part. Right. I mean, that's doable if you're facing that sounds doable if you're facing a lifespan of like 80 years or so right um but an eternity of commitment when when you're not going to get old and you're not going to go gray maybe your 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 husband might look at you and say well mm, <laughs> right after 50 years after 100 years or you might look at your husband or you might look at your wife and say eh, I, I don't know if i'm, I'm ready to to commit to that. And then your parents, right? How many visits to your immortal parents' house or houses, or what am I trying to say? How many visits to your immortal parents' house before that shit starts to get old? <laughs> like how many hundred, how many years, how many centuries do you, can you listen to your mom, you know, nagging you about your weight or your dad, you know, doing whatever dads do, I don't know, 
that annoys you um, or you listen to your mom complain about your dad. Like how many, what, 100 years, 200 years, 400 years? And they're not getting any older, right? I mean, right now we kind of tolerate our parents because we know, okay, they're not going to be around forever. There's going to come a time when we're genuinely going to miss them and blah, 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 blah. But now you've made them immortal. They're not going anywhere, right? So you've got to deal with that for eternity. Um, and then you also have to ask yourself, well, will they stay together? Will they even stay around you? Right? Like after a long period of time where nothing changes for them, where they look in the mirror and they're still the same, maybe they start to quote outgrow the labels of mom or dad. Right? That shit might get old might get old and then they might decide, fuck this. Um I'm gonna go somewhere else. I really don't wanna be connected with you for eternity. We're immortals. Let's go see what else is out there. Or I'm going to go see what else is out there. And your friends might do the same thing. So the friendships and the bonds that you've had now, they're, they're born out of a shared, believe it or not, if you really think about it, they're born out of a shared and mutual like understanding that, hey, we're all in this together. We're not going to live forever. You know, I want you to be there for me when times are hard. And I'm going to be there for you when times are hard. And there's that, right? We look out for each other. That's the purpose of friendships. That's the purpose of a family. If you take that fear away, if you take that mortality away, you make a different sort of person. And it might take 10 to 50 to 100 to 200 years for that new person to come through. But I guarantee you that that sort of person, if you genuinely think about it, is not going to be the same person that you're friends with. Now, they're not going to value your friendship the way they do now. That's the cost. Their psyche gets affected. Their empathy gets affected. The way they view relationships get affected. So, how long do you think before you're going to start to regret your second wish? A person who feels they have about a billion seconds left on earth, which is about 30 years, might view the world differently than a person who has a billion days ahead. That's just, that's just logic, right? If I had just $30 in my pocket, I'm going to look at those, those $30, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to count every, every dollar, as opposed to somebody who had $30 billion in their bank account. It's a different psyche. It's a different mindset. It's a different person. And if you take a person who only had $30 in their bank account and you suddenly give them, suddenly give them $30 billion, you're going to make a different person. Guaranteed. Okay? So you're thinking and you're like, fuck, okay, I messed up. All right, you got one more wish left. What are you going to do? All right, okay. Now you're looking at me and you're thinking, no, no, no. I got it. This one it is. This is it. Uh, I want to make the whole world immortal. Everyone in the world, I want to make them all ageless, healthy, for forever young. Okay. Your wish is my command. Everyone is now perfect. Everyone 
will live forever. Uh, no one can die. And everyone looks 30 years old. Um, and they're all genetically perfect. So there are no mutations, no disability, just a bunch of genetically, you know, perfect individuals who are going to now live forever. What does that look like? Seven billion human beings, seven billion perfect, ageless, 30-year-olds running around on this planet. Okay, well, will they still have to eat? Let's say yes. Let's say yes because food tastes good. Um, but what are the side effects? Well, um, let's see. I don't know. All the ice cream you want. No weight gain, all the alcohol you want, no hangover, all the drugs that you want, no addictions, always healthy. What's the downside to that? You're thinking, I don't see what the downside is, right? Okay. Well, for one, Food, our food sources. Do we have enough food to perpetually feed 7 billion people forever? Well, I, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, an agriculturist, but uh, I'm going to guess probably not. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that this, this planet is uh, what they call, it's a closed system. And it can only sustain, I mean, right now, just as it stands, without us being immortal, we're like overfishing the, the oceans. Um, you know, the way we're consuming just products and food in general is causing harm to our climate, to our environment. We're polluting, you know, the water. If we continue down the path that we are now, right, collectively as a society for I mean, it's it's just it's not sustainable. So what's what would happen? Because it's okay. You got a bunch of humans that are immortal, um, but they still need to eat. Otherwise, well, you're just going to be starving, <laughs> right? Because you're eventually going to run out of food. Eventually, we're going to fuck up the ecosystem, and um, and then what? Right. So that's one. Um, two. How are we going to get rid of the, the tyrants and the dictators and the terrorists if no one can die? Right? So you got people like Hitler, Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, um, Saddam Hussein, right? All these shitty human beings that, <laughs> you know, that are born from pain, that come out of pain, right? And are sort of called just naturally through shorter life expectancies um that is you know that's been bestowed to the human race right like we only live max like 120 years but if you remove that and people can just live indefinitely hitler would still have his concentration camps but instead of the gas chamber maybe he just isolates people in solitary confinement or tortures them for hundreds of years, or maybe even thousands of years, until yeah, maybe eventually he he himself gets locked up. 
but you can't get rid of a person like that. There's no death. Okay, now you're thinking, well, no, you can't bring Hitler. Like, every time I have a conversation about, about you know, who's the worst possible thing, um, people bring up Hitler. You can't bring up Hitler. Like, what about people that are alive now? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll give you that. But bear in mind that there are people who are alive now that we would consider sociopaths. And part of the reason why a lot of them don't, or psychopaths, rather, um, part of the reason why a lot of them don't, behave the way uh, they may be predisposed to behaving is because they are afraid of death or afraid of, you know, annihilation or being captured or, or whatever, right? They don't want to get locked up for the rest of their lives. So that kind of hinders them. But if you remove that, if you remove that fear of death, if you, you give those sort of people across the board immortality, um, they become more likely to kind of crop up. So there's that. Um, we have a person like Vladimir Putin, who has been, you know, in power for I don't know how many years. Um, and he keeps trying to push his term and push his term. And now he's trying to stay, um, quote unquote, president. We all know he's a dictator, but he's a legal dictator of Russia. And he wants to now stay there for another, I think what they're saying, like another 20 years. So that when he gets out, he's going to be 80 years old. But there's a part of us that knows, like, okay, worst case scenario, like, there's only so much he can keep doing this before nature comes and and shelves him and says, all right, fucking sit down somewhere. Like, you're, you're ridiculous. And so it's nature that comes and more or less saves us from the, the sheep, I'm sorry, the wolves amongst us, so to speak, the psychopaths and the power mongers and things like that. Um, but anyway, you're thinking, okay, can I modify, can I modify my wish a bit? Okay, sure. I'm the genie. I'll give you what you want. What do you want? Tell me. What are you thinking? Um, okay, you're thinking. Oh, I don't want. I don't want people to have to suffer. Okay. Okay. Because I guess me mentioning the concentration camps and Hitler and everything, you're thinking, well, if I if I want to live forever, I want somebody to come up with systems where you torture people forever. Okay, I get it. I get it. And you're thinking, um, yeah, I don't want people to suffer. I don't want people to feel pain. Um, can you can you can you grant that? My response to that as your genie is to be like, okay, you, you're, you're out of three wishes. You, you, you made impulsive wishes. Um, I'm going to counsel you now. Because here's the thing. Pain and pleasure are on the same spectrum. And I've said this to you before. Just like joy and depression. Right? You can't have one. Right? You can't have pleasure. Right? Without having pain as a comparison. Right? Just like you can't have light without darkness. Right? Every everything that is a thing needs its opposite in this reality. It's a dual reality, right? The nature of reality is duality. You can't have one without without the other. Right? Because without pain, pleasure in itself would become sort of painful. Have you have you ever been tickled? <laughs> tickling is like okay like you're 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 laughing it's it's a pleasurable experience there's laughter there but it's this uncontrollable laughter that like while you're laughing about it it's like in the pit of your heart you're like I want to punch the person that's tickling me right now directly in the throat because it's like fucking stop right (laughs) like it's it there's no there's no cutoff 
right? So by the experience of tickling, you know that there is a limit to be reached with any sort of pleasurable experience where it, it starts to become uncomfortable or discomfort or painful. So I can't necessarily, as your genie, remove pain without also removing pleasure. Now, okay, at this point, you've cut me off. Just just take pain away. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Here, fine. Boom. Your wish is granted. You can have ice cream every single day. Right? That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for the first day, and the second day, and then the, the second year, and then the second decade, and then you're going to be sick of fucking ice cream. Right? Right? Pleasure unencumbered becomes its own type of suffering. It's like being tickled, right? If you if you don't have something to balance out the ple- pleasure, after a while, it becomes a type of suffering. So all you ask me is your genie is to remove pain. Okay, I did that. But I can't remove suffering, right? Because now you're asking me to remove, you know, systematic, systemically rather. You're asking me to systemically remove every, like a little bits of things that make people human. If I remove pain, that's fine. But you can still suffer in the midst of pleasure, right? If you keep putting ice cream in your mouth, that's gonna, it's still going to taste great. But if you just aren't able to stop eating ice cream, or if all you have to eat is ice cream, after a while, that does, it may not be painful to eat the ice cream, but it will make you suffer. And that I can't remove. As your genie, I can't remove that. Okay, but you're saying, I, I don't care. I don't care. Take away people's ability to feel pain so no one can torture anyone physically. Okay, that's noble. That's noble, I'll give you that. Um, but you do know, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, that, I'm that genie. But you do know that the human body needs pain, right? The pain is an alert system, right? It, it lets the user of the body know that what they are presently engaging in can be potentially harmful, right? If something is broken or not functioning properly, the pain alerts your mind to this fact, thus allowing you to take the proper steps to avoid exposure to potential harm. So without pain, physical or psychological or emotional pain, from which you can use to like adapt learn from and grow a person can stop being human in a way and 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 what we define as human now and can be be, and, and can become something else entirely something like an automaton or a robot I mean, on the plus side, the plus side to, to that wish is, you know, a person like Hitler um, probably wouldn't have emerged in a world without pain because a lot of his power 
stemmed from him being able to prey on people like the suffering of the German people who were recovering from the desolation that they experienced during the First World War. Right. So he was really he was really good at that. But if you don't have people in pain, right, where you can exploit their pain, right, then a person like Hitler would never be able to rise to power in the first place. And if you don't have the fear of pain or the fear of death to lord over people to make you know other people behave the way you want them to behave, then you also don't have uh, you don't have the ability to give or to have power. Uh, over people, right? Here's the downside. The downside to that is no art. In a world without pain, there would be no art. There would be no music. There would be no innovation. There would be no relationships. There'd be no emotional or spiritual bonds. We would have no literature. We would have no books. We would have no stories. We would have no media, no movies, no cartoons. We would have no true joy. Pleasure and joy. Pleasure and joy are not the same thing. And a human being who has had nothing to overcome and has not ever had to face any challenges or adversity or conflict because they are unable, unable rather, to feel pain, emotional pain or psychological pain or physical pain. That person, that being, wouldn't be human in the way we understand what humanity is. That being would spend countless days eating or masturbating every day or stoned all the time, listless, disinterested, no curiosity. Everything costs Our humanity and the way we understand humanity now, that would be the cost. We would quickly devolve into beasts. Why shower? Why brush your teeth? Why put on clothes? You, you're not going to feel the pain of social rejection. But you're also not going to feel the pain of a sunburn or the pain of frostbite. So you either step outside and languish in the sun, burning your skin. And you have to live like that forever. Right? So any sort of wounds, any sort of injuries or anything like that. All you said for me is to make it so that you don't feel pain. That you are genetically perfect. But you didn't say... For me to make it so you can't wound the body. Right? Because in order for you to be able to feel and taste things that make you feel pleasure, like ice cream and things like that, other functions of the body, like being able to feel the sensation of heat, um, 
or just having senses in general have to be there. So if you stumble outside and you have made me remove the sensation of pain and it's 120 degrees outside, you won't feel the pain of it, but your skin will react to that and will do what it does in those levels of extreme heat. The, the only thing that you can do is maybe look down and say, well, I don't like the way my skin is looking, so I'll go back inside. But then you also have to ask yourself, what would be the motivation for you to say, well, I don't like the way my skin is looking? If there is no psychological pain, you're not really worried about, well, what are your peers going to think? You're not really worried about what your, you know, the people that you care about are going to feel if something happens to you, if you get skin cancer or things of that nature, because you can still live forever and, and have these sort of, you know, disruptions in the body. But if you, if emotional bonds are missing, right, what motivates you to alter your behavior to, to, to avoid harming your body, except for the fact that you know, hey, I've got to protect this body because I'm going to live, you know, for a very long time. But the alert systems that were there to help you make sure that your body lasts and doesn't, you know, succumb to just the forces of nature in general, you've just had me remove. So you stumble out and it's cold and maybe you're walking, but you're not feeling the pain of cold. You're not feeling the pain of frostbite. So you go out in the dead of winter and your body slowly freezes in place until you're frozen still. You don't feel the pain. You don't feel the pain of being frozen or cold to alert you to go back inside. So you're just frozen in place for, I don't know, six months or whatever. Um, and then you thaw yourself out and your body is different. Um, but you just keep going, right? Like I, I just had a flash in my mind of like a walker or something like that, right? They, they technically live forever. Um, and they're more or less driven just to consume, right? That's, what, that's the only thing that drives them is consumption. And to a certain level, I guess there's a part of the brain, and this is from The Walking Dead, there's part of the brain that's still driving them to consume, and so they consume everything. Um, everything costs. Do we, is, that, is that the kind of human that you would want to be? Is that the sort of world where you would want to live in, where there's nothing to strive for, there's nothing to overcome, there's nothing to drive you to, well, to do anything, really. Nothing to motivate you to evolve, you know, either physically, you know, to work out or emotionally to become more balanced and and um, and, and take care of your mental health. Uh, spiritually, to become, to reach a higher level of consciousness and, and intelligence, right? Uh is that what you want? I don't, it doesn't sound appealing to me. I would truly be a descent, a de-evolution of the human race. Okay, so now you've visualized, right? You've visual, visualized the outcome of a reality of a world without pain and all that comes with that. Now you're conscious of the cost that it would cause or what it would cost the human race. And so now you're looking at me and you're like, okay, mm, okay, fine, fine. You, you want to retract and you're thinking, okay, I, 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 I want to I wanna uphold my third wish. 
Like I still want all human beings to be immortal. You're very stubborn. <laughs> um, but you want to be able to bring back pain. Right? Because it's 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 in the act of overcoming our pain, right? Right? It's for example, I talked about emotional pain. What motivates you to, to brush your hair and brush your teeth? Well, if you're if you're motivated to alter, you know, to to be more hygienic because you're afraid of the way or to dress a certain way because you're afraid of the way other people will view you. Well, that fear is a certain level of pain. Um, but then there are a lot of people who decide, you know, to overcome that fear and go, you know what, I mean, I, I don't care how people perceive me. And so they end up coming up with their own sense of style and their own sense of fashion. And so you end up with like really eclectic personalities. But that that is that blossoming of that individual comes out of not just the pain, but the overcoming of a specific pain, of a psychological pain, right? It's the act of overcoming pain that serves to aid in the evolution of us as an individual and us as an entire race, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually, right? Right? So, okay, I gave you back the pain. But all human beings are immortal. Now what? Okay, well now we're back to a world where there's the Hitlers and the Mussolinis and the Husseins and the Yemenis and um and they're 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 now in the right reality where they can rise to power. Right? Um and and but I've made them or people like them immortal also. So I've also made it so that they can rule indefinitely. And they can rule indefinitely because then what they wield is that power of pain and the threat, not of death, but of an eternity of unending torture, right? Along with all the downsides that come with eternal life, i.e. the lack of appreciation for the time that you have left because you've got a plethora of time, um, forever is a very long time, <laughs> that will change the way that we form bonds with our loved ones and, and our friends, right? That promise to have and to hold till death do us part kind of changes. Um, and that might become, I promise to have and hold you until I'm 100 years old <laughs> or until we decide otherwise or whatever. But it, it just, it has a different ring to it, right? Um, but relationships change. The definition of families change. Um, now, parents who are typically in our reality would work, you know, bust their butts their whole lives so that they can leave something in, you know, to the world, leave something behind when they leave. A lot of people are driven by that. Um, and a lot of parents are driven by the, the desire to leave something for their children when they're no longer here. Well, if they're not going anywhere, <laughs> right, then it, it, it changes. And now it's everyone for themselves, right? You're going to have to work to live. There's no retirement. You're going to work to live and you're going to do that forever, right? Because you can only save up for a certain amount you know, of time before you've got to hit the workforce again. So there's no, no vacations, really. That's gone. Um, and like I said, a, a with people like 
Putin and, you know, Hussein and Hitler and those sort of personalities will be allowed to rise and come up into power and then stay relevant for much longer than they would have otherwise been able to stay and torture people and terrorize people um, because they will also be, they would also be immortal. Another thing, how long before eternal boredom, <laughs> like just absolute boredom starts to set in? I mean, you would do everything, right? You would see everything, right? How long would it take you to experience the entire world, to go to every country? Let's, I'll, I'll be generous and say 500 years, right? Okay, then what? Then what? Every time you looked in the mirror, same unchanging face, same unchanging body, same ageless people all around you. They're not changing either. What's their incentive to change? What's driving them? What's motivated? What's motivating them? Right? It's another cost. You getting it? Eternal life for all those alive right now would mean no more children. That's another thing. Because like I said earlier, the earth can only sustain and feed a certain amount of people. So we would have to kind of give up the ability to raise and have children or have and raise children. Bringing it back, bringing it back to that quote, to stop death, you would have to stop birth also. Imagine if we were living in the 1800s when you stumbled across my genie lamp and you asked me to grant you, grant you that wish. And you said, okay, I want everybody alive right now in the 1800s to never die. To be about 30 and never die. No one's dying out. Um, we would more or less forever be stuck in the 1800s. And everything that comes with that. Right? The disease, the lack of technology, the uncomfortable, you know, everything. <laughs> um, also the slavery. <laughs> Right. Right. There's no one dying out. Right. So there's no room for new individuals with new personalities and new perspectives on reality and new ways of looking at the world. Right. No new ideas. Right. Because the people, the way things change in our society is that more or less, and I've heard this quote several times, is that particularly in science, right? Younger scientists discover things that the older scientists have a problem grasping or understanding because they're, they're holding onto the status quo um, and the way of doing things. They've built their whole careers on one perspective, on one theory or whatever you want to call it. And so in order for the rest of us to 
experience change in society, a lot of the older people, the older scientists, older healthcare providers, older innovators and scientists, or I said scientists already, but the, the older, older ones have to pass on to make room for new ideas. And then that's how society more or less progresses. But if those people, right? So if Isaac Newton was still alive, a person like Einstein couldn't, his theory, theory of relativity would not have been able to take hold because, uh, well, the people who respected Newton at the time would still be around and they would hold on to that mindset as, okay, that's just all that there is. And and if you just think about the progress that we've made now, even down to just washing your hands because of germs, um, there, there was a time, believe it or not, in our history, I want to say it was like in the 17 or 1800s, where um, women were getting gangrene um, after giving birth. And it was because doctors would just think that as if the dirtier they were as doctors, if they're covered with muck and filth and things like that, it was, it meant that they were doing a really good job. So a doctor would like go and deliver a baby from this one woman, wouldn't wash their hands, go to the next woman, wouldn't wash their hands, go to the next. So like at the end of the day, they were just covered in blood and filth and all this disgusting stuff. And what they were doing was infecting like woman after woman, after woman, after woman, one French doctor, came up and said, y'all niggas need to wash your fucking hands. <laughs> this is gross, right? And um, nobody listened to him. And he raged and he raged and he raged. And nobody listened to him. They all thought he was crazy. They People, you know, we like that term, crazy. So they dismissed him. And it took another, I believe it was like another 200 years of women needlessly dying because the the people you know who wanted to maintain the status quo of behaving in a certain way refused to listen to them so all those people had to die out right so that then a new group of doctors came in and one person rediscovered his ideas and said no well, let me try this out and that's why doctors more or less washed their hands now right but if we didn't have death if we didn't have progression if we didn't have change that wouldn't have happened we as a society, we need death. We as a, as a race, not even just a society, the, a human race, in order for it to continuously grow, it needs to die. If you think, if you think of the consciousness, the, our collective consciousness as a tree, and each of us, each individual one of us as, um, let me see, like leaves and some of us are, are seeds, right? Um, if, a, if, a, if a tree never shed its leaves, especially as it goes into winter, right? And you watch the progression of leaves that they start to change color and then eventually they shrivel and they die and they fall. Well, if that never happened, um, a tree would actually die. I Googled that yesterday. Um, I didn't know this until I Googled it, but a tree would actually die. If you Google why do leaves, um, why do trees shed their leaves? Because what happens is they, they don't have enough water. It, they wouldn't, the tree would not have enough water in the winter to sustain all those leaves. And so the, the, the entire organism of the tree would die. And so the tree itself, in order for it to keep going through its cycle of, you know, 
you know, death and rebirth, it has to shed its leaves. And so I want you guys to really sit back and think about the idea or the concept of immortality and the desire to live forever that drives each and every one of us and the fear of death. Um, just really think about, you know, the three wishes, uh, quote, thought experiment that I proposed to you in this episode and ask yourself, like, why would you really want to live forever if you could? Really think about it. And what would living forever mean to you and do to you? And how would it change who you are now fundamentally? And how would a society of people who lived forever change who we were as a race of beings to to reference back and I'll end with that to end with <laughs> I will end with this to reference the um the complete works of uh Swami Vivekananda that I that I quoted right to stop death you would have to stop birth also in that same volume 2 book he talks about he he draws comparison between a seed and a tree. So when you plant a seed, the seed doesn't evolve into a tree. The seed becomes the tree. And everything that was going to make that seed the tree was already contained in the seed. But in order for the seed to become a tree, it had to more 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 or less die, right? So if you've ever tried to plant a seed or if you if you put a take a seed, wrap it in um like moist uh paper towel and like put it somewhere moist and watch it. The the seed starts with a seed, but then with the right under the right circumstances, it dies. It it cracks open. But then you see this beautiful green, vibrant plant start to emerge from within its shell and then grow into a plant. And I want you guys really as, as, as you go through life and, and just, you know, the next couple of days or whatever, just really think about that image of a seed. You know, if a seed was afraid to die, it could never become a plant. It could never become a tree. It could never become what it is. And I think what we have most been programmed to do is to view ourselves as nothing more than seeds, right? And to, and, and no, I wouldn't even go as far as to say this. We, we, we are seeds that think we are stone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good analogy. I'll say it again. I, I just pulled that out of, I don't know, nowhere. But we are seeds that think we are pebbles, right? So we think that we are nothing. All we are is this hard, you know, low, vibra- low vibrating thought, pattern or form, right? And that's all we are, right? And scientists tell you you're nothing. You're just, you're just, you're just form, right? But I'm trying to tell you and others as well. And that's what Buddhism and Hinduism and Christ and even Islam and Judaism and Gnosticism and philosophers have all more or less been saying that's the same noble truth, the same eternal truth. You are a spirit, that has a soul that's living in the body, but you are not the body. Just like the plant that emerges from the seed is not the fucking seed. The seed is just a shell that holds all the information that under the right circumstances allows allows for that seed to become 
what it's meant to be. I kind of wonder, or maybe not wonder, I, 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 I believe, I, I think that this reality that we're in now is a sort of um, sprouting place. And there are some people who are seeds. There are a lot, well, there are a lot of people who are seeds and don't realize that there's something within them, the spirit, the soul, right? Waiting to emerge out of this reality, out of this world, into the other place, into the next, you know, burst burst through the earth and into, you know, the next place. And then there's some people who are what I would call more conscious or they're becoming more conscious. And so that seed is starting to crack open and then that soul within them is starting to unfurl and, and, and open up and start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not a pebble. That's one layer, you know, one level of uh, spiritual evolution. Okay. I'm not a pebble. Okay. I'm an actually a seed. Okay. Uh, and I can actually sprout. Okay. And then I can grow and become this big, you know, this plant. Okay. And if I continue down this path of being a plant, eventually I will become a tree. And it's not even eventually, it's like, I'm already a tree because time is, time is an illusion. And it's, you know, it's always kind of going to be, you were always going to be a tree under the right circumstances. And so some people recycle and loop, you know, into the same loop um, until they start to realize, wait, I, I'm a seed and I will sprout. And then there are others who are more conscious that are actually the sprouting seeds and it's their last incarnation. It's the last reincarnation. And the next step is, you know, to move past this world, to to move on to the next place. Right. And, and if that's the case, why would you want to stay here? Why would you want to be a stillbirth? Why would you want to stagnate here? Um, I've talked to people who, you know, want to adjust and, and take on uh, AI technology to allow for themselves to stagnate and to stay on earth and never die and never move on. But if you look at the seed analogy and you apply that to yourself, it's like a seed never wanting to burst forth from terra, from the earth, and to leave. Well, then it, it, if, it's, if it's not going to do that, then it's a dead seed, right? You shouldn't fear death. I, I, I think if, if, if nothing else you've learned from this, this, uh, this episode, that if you were going to create a world, right, you would create the world. You would try other worlds. You would try perfect worlds where people didn't f- you feel pain. And then you would be like, well, that that's not, you would be unhappy with the result of that. And then you would try to create other worlds where people live forever. And then you would be unhappy with that, um, the outcome of that. And then you would try a world where people were perfect. And then you would be unhappy with that. And I think eventually you would settle upon the exact world that we have now. It's the perfect environment, right? It's like a seed. A seed needs just the right environment, just the right amount of moisture, just the right amount of dirt, just the right amount of uh, nutrients and um, minerals and everything like that to burst forth from its encasing and, and, and bloom and become a plant. Well, that's what this world is. It has just the right amount of, of pain and pleasure and just the right amount of challenges and and um, stress and all these other things, just the right amount of, you know, mystery and intrigue. It's perfect, exactly as it is. And it's the right circumstance that's meant for you to eventually burst out of your seed, 
that's housing the soul and move past here into the next world. And so those of you who are conscious and you know deep down inside, okay, I've been here before. Well, maybe the reason why you're conscious of the fact that you've been here before is because it's time. It's time for you to move on. You know, this might be your last incarnation, your last Ferrari. So, you know, make it count. Ultimately, there's nothing to fear. Right? We're only afraid if we think that we are the seeds, we are the shell. Right? Right? If you're if you're a seed, unaware that under the right circumstances you're you're destined to become a plant. Oh, it's a certain type of a delusion, right? But you you manifest fear for your for yourself, but that fear is unnecessary. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm not the only one telling you. All all of these since the beginning of you know, quote, time, you know, man has said, and, and women have said, and, you know, leaders have said, and physicists have said, and all of these religions and all of these philosophers are all saying that, you know, you can't, you can't kill what you really are. It's always existed. Right? So stop being afraid. Stop fearing death. There is no death. There's just change. There's just metamorphosis. Right? You could call it evolution. But it's only evolution the way a seed evolves into a tree. It didn't really evolve. It already contained within it all of the information for it to become what it was always supposed to be. And it just needed the right circumstances to become that. And that's this reality is you're going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back until you find the right circumstances that allow you to burst out of here to become what you're supposed to be. A God. God.